Okay, so, um, any comments? Beautiful song, by the way. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just so nonchalant about his vocals. It's really hilarious. I was saying to you that while we were listening, that uh, there's a live version of this tune. Uh, the woman's not on it. She's not singing on it. It's a quartet, I guess, him on guitar, another guitar, a bass player, a drummer, and a piano player. And uh, it was on, like, national TV, the... Not the late show, but the Jimmy Kimmel show. Whatever the Jimmy Kimmel Live, Jimmy something Kimmel. like that, yeah. And right. uh, so this is, I don't know, what, uh, 8 million viewers, 10 million viewers, <laughs> yeah. 20 million, 50 million viewers, and it is the most nonchalant performance I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, you think the Stones are nonchalant when they get up there. This is re totally ridiculous. I can't believe that he it's, – it, it sounds – it's very, very loose, very nonchalant. I didn't uh, know he was – Big enough to be playing Jimmy Kimmel. I guess maybe nice. he was he was a fan or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm not, no, no. All due respect to him as an artist. I mean, I don't yeah. know how famous or or non well. Like I know him through you, and I'm sort of vaguely aware of him. But I, that he's doing Jimmy Kimmel is wow. Yeah. He must be. Doing I forget well. how I. I think I might have. I think I heard of him from from. Uh, Something related to the Nirvana uh, Unplugged and uh, uh, the, the MTV the, that country tune that he does that, that that murder ballad that he sings, and somebody mentioning a kind of a, 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 a genre like what do they call it country grunge or I forget mm -hmm. what they called it and they mentioned him and I went looking uh, for a tune of his and it was it appealed to me immediately we we could probably do an entire episode on that MTV performance by by, oh, Nirvana. by Nirvana God that yeah. is so good man yeah. that is just yeah. That's one of those things that for me, I mean, all the other Nirvana stuff is very, very good, obviously, but that one performance, I think, I don't know what they captured there. It was very strong. It's yeah. just like, wow, you know. Yeah. But back to this track, it's, yep. it's, it's a very, it, it's, it, it is sad. I mean, it's interesting how it transitions from the BJM because it struck me as I was listening to it that it seems to get more hopeful as it goes through. It ta starts talking about the soft lips and meeting the yeah. person. At the beginning, it's this kind of sadness, and then it kind of transitions. So it's kind of like coming out of the BJM, which is just all down depression, starts out that way and then kind of picks up towards the end. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that... sure. I, uh, what is it? The softest, softest lips there ever, 25 years of waiting to kiss them, uh, smiling and waiting to bend down and kiss twice. Those are powerful know. lyrics, man. I don't, it's, Imagine waiting 25 years. Yeah. Someone you've wanted to kiss for 25 years and kissing them. I don't know. How it's, incredible that must be. So I, I, but for some reason, <laughs> I don't see it as hopeful. I'm not even you sure don't that think the person hopeful. he's kissing is alive. Oh, so you think it's all just imagined? No, I yeah, think or... maybe she's in a coffin. Oh, okay. But I'd have wow. to, I, I'm going to have okay. to listen to every line Boy, after that, that carefully. shoots my theory, right? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it could be true. <laughs> But oh, smiling and waiting, waiting to bend down and kiss. But yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't know what I don't know what the tune's about. And I have sometimes when I listen to a piece of music, uh, depending on the type of vocal delivery, I can get lost in the sound of the music and just the sound of the voice, and not so much hear the words. So that's something that happens to me with the next tune that you sent to me. Is I have to pull up the lyrics and actually read, read along. Them. Not yeah. that it, it, not that I can't hear it, but. Uh, um, I focus elsewhere uh, sometimes. Yeah, that's it's. First of all, I, I I I would say that myself. You know, I very rarely, especially when I'm learning to love a new piece of of music or song or whatever. Very rarely do I even really listen to the lyrics, and I don't even care. I mean, a lot of stuff I listen to is like they're 
speaking very, very quickly in Spanish or in some other language. Right. I mean, I speak fluent Spanish, but it's pretty hard when someone's, you know, a dumb arrow. And I just like, to me, it's more about the flow of the sound. Yes. But for this particular, for the purposes of this, preparing this, I took, I, I really took the time to really listen to the lyrics in most of the tracks, including this one. Yeah. And that, and so, because uh, lyrics can be really amazing when they're well done. Yeah. And it does bring us to the next one. So um, that's a good segue that you did there. Um, this Bonnie Prince Billy inspired me to think of one of my favorite Leonard Cohen songs right. called The Stranger Song. Um, I just, I made a few notes. Maybe you could just to set it up for people. It's a typical Cohen song with these, you know, very exquisite lyrics i mean they're just they're so the vocabulary and then the way they're put together lyrically is just is very typical of leonard cohen I right think that listeners will know that pretty much anybody listening to this probably knows leonard cohen right? and knows that tune perhaps perhaps okay. yeah um so it's the stranger song um the other thing that's interesting about it is um yeah um is, is the um the, the there's a European kind of fast guitar cycling around there. Yeah. I, I don't know. A lot of Leonard Cohen stuff he uses very European sounding sort of yeah. accordions and things like that. It's a bit like a sort of a flamenco picking, uh, finger picking kind of thing. It's just a, what do you call an ostinato basically. He's just playing a, uh, or like an arpeggiated chord. Right. Sort of like that. And it's relentless. His playing is, right. is unbelievable. Is that him playing? I think so. Yeah, uh, he's I credited didn't know he could play with the that guitar. Well. Wow. Okay. And I wonder I didn't if know he that. was singing at the same time as he's playing it. Uh, but it's it's relentless. It's And it's perfect. His playing is just uh I had no idea he amazing. could play guitar that well. Yeah. He's I the didn't... one who's credited. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Um yeah, on, on just a quick side note, do you know that he, during the 1973 war in Israel, there's a movie about this that you might like. He went to the front lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I he, heard about With this. his guitar, and he didn't do, he just did it. Like, he, it's one of these things that's unexplained. He kind of felt drawn to go to Israel. He left his home in Greece, and he just went there. He didn't care about being filmed. There's very hardly any film. Or, Is it a Canadian film? Yeah, this yeah. it's a, it, I, I could be the the guy who made it is an Israeli who was born in Canada who's a Canadian Jew who uh, yeah I've heard of Israel. Debbie was talking about it. Yeah, and it's and it's I haven't seen the film, but it, there's a few interviews about it. and I really want to see it. But he but he went out to these. It makes me think if he's that good on the guitar. Imagine being out on one of these frontline things, and there's 10, 20 soldiers watching Leonard Cohen sing with his guitar. Imagine how incredible. And the energy in the air of those soldiers who could die. You know what I mean? Like, they're on the front line of a war. You know, it must have been just incredible. And I I, I, I don't know uh, Cohen very well, and I find his his lyrics kind of arcane. Like, the some of the imagery is very, is sort of universal or is very evocative. <clears throat> but... Some of his imagery is very arcane, religious sort of imagery. Definitely, yeah. That's and, uh, so. Some of it I can't quite uh, suss out the meaning of, I guess. But there's a couple of unbelievably great images, like the the image of the smoke curling, curling up over his, over his shoulder, shoulder, like a highway behind him. It's, yeah. That's a great image. curling, just like smoke above your shoulder. It's yeah. just such a beautiful line. Yeah, that creates an image. Yeah, right. And the and the and the the use of the cards as a, a metaphor for uh, relationships and what you keep hidden and what you show and yeah, that's it's it's it's. Uh, it's it's good. The, that's uh, that's I, the lyrics. Uh, yeah, there, there's so much metaphor and beauty and irony in those lyrics. There's also something interesting that I noted down about the lyrics is 
he doesn't say gambler because you would imagine like the song is a is a you know, people yeah, will hear. No, he uses the word dealer, dealer right, which, which is, is so much, strange. Like, uh, it, because the, well, the the way that it's, you can deal in all kinds of stuff, yeah. can't you? Right, you can deal in <laughs> falsehoods. You can deal in drugs. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can deal in <coughs> pretense, right? I mean, it, Be- it's, because it's it's the way <coughs> the way the lyrics are constructed. It sounds like it should be gambler. Because because he's playing cards and he's like waiting for the card that is so high and wild he'll never have to you know and all right. that's a gambler doing that not a dealer of cards right so as you point out the dealer has these other meanings that yeah it's uh, more you know. it's more uh, uh, resonant I think to say a dealer I guess I, well uh, there's this kind of impression I get that uh, um, there's a power dynamic going on in the thing right uh, you that, like I told you that Between I was the, the stranger right yeah. right. Um, but uh, but, but that you, it's constantly shifting, and the, that there's yeah. constantly this kind of manipulate, like bluffing. You know the way you bluff when you're playing cards, poker uh, face, all yeah, that kind of stuff. There's right? there's a sense of the power dynamic shifting up and down, up and down between the two of these, and it's it's uh, like what uh, what did he say? Uh, you, my dear. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait yeah. until we when we. You, my dear. Him. At the end, you, my dear. You who are the stranger. I'm not the stranger. Right. It's, you know that's it. Kind of inverts. Oh, did? Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I missed. Don't hear it. Yeah. No, it's 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 one of these. It's one of these. I, I'm not sure if any of his songs are classics, but this one seems to have a very very powerful. Uh, uh, you know, just he's got some classics, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I, I don't. I, what I'm saying is, I don't think this one is one of his hits. Right. I, I mean, it's the, it's just one of the songs on the songs of Leonard Cohen. I this is the think. first time I'd heard it, or I may have okay. heard it before and didn't remark it. But okay, when you sent it to me, it's the first time I've given it a really good, good, good listen. Yeah. Yeah. A good listen. Yeah. Okay, so let's give it a listen. It's true that all the men you knew were dealers who said they were through with dealing every time you gave them shelter. I know that kind of man. It's hard to hold the hand of anyone who's reaching for the sky just to surrender. Who is reaching for the sky just to surrender. And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind You find he did not leave you very much Not even laughter Like any dealer He was watching for the card That is so high and wild He'll never need to deal another He was just some Joseph looking for a manger He was just some Joseph looking for a manger And then leaning on your windowsill He'll say one day you caused his will To weaken with your love and warmth and shelter And then taking from his wallet An old schedule of trains He'll say I told you when I came I was a stranger But now another stranger seems to want you To ignore his dreams as though they were the burden of some other Oh, you've seen that man before His golden arm dispatching cards But now it's rusted from the elbow to the finger And he wants to trade the game he plays for shelter Yes, he wants to trade the game he knows for shelter 
How you hate to watch another tired man lay down his hand like he was giving up the holy game of poker. And while he talks his dreams to sleep, you notice there's a highway that is curling up like smoke above his shoulder. It's curling just like smoke above his shoulder. You tell him to come in, sit down, but something makes you turn around. The door is open, you can't close your shelter. You try the handle of the road, it opens. Do not be afraid, it's you, my love, you who are the stranger. It is you, my love, you who are the stranger. Well, I've been waiting. I was sure we'd meet between the trains we're waiting for. I think it's time to board another. Please understand, I never had a secret chart to get me to the heart of this or any other matter. Well, he talks like this. You don't know what he's after. When he speaks like this, you don't know what he's after. Let's meet tomorrow if you choose upon the shore beneath the bridge that they are building on some endless river. Then he leaves the platform for the sleeping car that's warm. You realize he's only advertising one more shelter, and it comes to you he never was a stranger. And you say, okay, the bridge or someplace later. And then sweeping up the jokers that he left behind, you find he did not leave you very much, not even laughter. Like any dealer, he was watching for the card that is so high and wild, he'll never need to deal another. He was just some Joseph looking for a manger. He was just some Joseph looking for a manger. And leaning on your windowsill, he'll say one day you caused his will to weaken with your love and warmth and shelter. And then taking from his wallet an old schedule of trains, he'll say I told you when I came I was a stranger. I told you when I came I was a stranger. Okay, so you were saying... I can't figure out the perspective in the song. It's like uh, it goes from first person to third person. Yeah, and there's two characters, at least. Right? There's the man more. talking to the woman. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I, it seems like a lot says, of the time... Just, just to be clear what you mean. He, he says, I told you when I came, I was a stranger. So he could be quoting him. He could be quoting this man with quotes, or he could, or he could be talking about himself. Maybe there, right? but there's also other places where it's not clear uh, who the he and who's the I. Yeah, the she seems and, to be and, constant. The woman in, yes, in the song is probably a consistency yes. throughout. Yeah, and there is. A, there's, yeah. It struck me as I was listening to it that it's basically the female perspective of this. I think almost he's writing. He's, I, I'm not sure if Cohen did that consciously, but. It's almost like it's her, the sadness, you know, she's talking about, 
did not even leave you very much, not even laughter. It's like, imagine a woman after, you know, it's very much, it struck me even as a female perspective. I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah, you, that could be. Yeah. I, I One thing I find with, with him, uh, and I'm sure he intends it, is like often uh, one line sort of cancels out the other one or contradicts <laughs> it or, or gives it uh, gives it this other spin. You think you know what the line is, and then the next line just turns it on its head kind of. And uh, yeah, this the... The person perspective, the the narrator perspective is doing is, that. Is, yeah, yeah, it's strange. I I like it. I like it. I don't think it has much going on from like a harmonic perspective, mm-hmm. like from the, it's very simple. Yeah, it's just the 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 guitar. It's a vehicle for that. It's a vehicle yeah. for that poem. Are there any other sure bass? I mean, is there any other? No, it's just not the guitar. Even, just the guitar. Just the guitar. That's it. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, he can pedal on that low, that low string really nicely. He's just that's really, really good. Sounds hard to do. Oh yeah, yeah. That for six minutes. That's yeah, exactly. It's uh, God, yeah, it's really exceptional guitar playing. Really, yeah, it is. It's very good. Um, Cohen, of course, the musicality is take use. You know, going to use up less time with with this, but. There's there's a number of things in many Cohen tunes that we hear here. One of them you noted the religion yeah. already, which is deeply embedded. Yeah. Um, you know, the holy game of poker and Joseph looking for a manger. Yeah. I, I have a theory that um Leonard Cohen growing up in Montreal in at that time, that religion was so omnipresent, especially the Catholic religion. He was born in the thirties? Yeah, he was born in the thirties. So he died at eighty five or whatever a few years ago. So yeah. he was born in the so he grew up, I mean, right in the middle of perhaps the, you know, the whatever the, I don't know how to describe that here. I don't like the great along, darkness. along the main, right? No, he grew up in Westmount. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he eventually went to the, he went over there. That's where the artists were going. But when he was a, you know, a boy and growing up into a young man in Montreal, yeah. it would have been, you know, these squadrons of nuns and priests and people, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 Saint yeah. Jean Baptiste would have been this enormous religious thing, you know, this, and the cross and everything and all this. So I, I, I'm convinced that that must have, because in a lot of his music, there's Christian, Catholic, Catholic yeah. iconography yeah. kind of burned into it in yeah. a very deep way, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. I always I, had the feeling it was more Old Testament than New Testament. Well, Joseph yeah. is, I, you know, uh, um, holy game of pokers. I don't know, you know, that sounds yeah. more Catholic to me. Okay. Holy Cross, Saint Croix. I'm a religious. Yeah, ignoramus. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. That, that struck me a lot. Um, I, th- I think it was deeply embedded. And I wonder if that's true for Jews in many parts of the world. You know, the Jews who grow up in societies that have a dominant um, Catholic, or maybe in the Muslim world, there must be. If you were to look into the things they do, that would be influenced by Islam and Catholicism in their works. I, I'm guessing. I, I don't know that, but um, sure. that's an interesting question. The one thing that, too, this I, I should point out to listeners that I lived outside the country for a few years. I, I think you know that. Um, and when I got homesick, I would listen to two artists. Homesick for Montreal. I would listen to Leonard Cohen. Yeah. And this was one particularly that would make me. I don't know why. This, this, this song. Of song Cohen? Yeah. Is it is it a greatest hits record or is it's, it? It's the songs of Leonard Cohen, which I don't know. That's one of his albums, his early albums. Okay, so it's not that, a greatest hits. I don't think a, it is. I think it uh, was an album. It's a very strange album cover with just his dour looking face. Yeah. And listeners will almost certainly know it if yeah, they're fans. Yeah. 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 Um and I don't I think it is not a I think it was just he was a songwriter who toured around and then he got an album deal to just put a bunch of them onto an album. Because this definitely 
definitely sounds this. like a poem that's put to music. I guess most of his stuff was like that. It was not. It wasn't conceived first as music it and was then written poetry. As poetry and, and then, I, and then, I imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know his process, but this definitely sounds like a poem that was set to music. Yeah. I mean, the music is is just a, a yeah repeating. It's just a repeating. Thing. Yeah, just, just a just to accompany the lyrics, basically. Yeah, it's a company. Yeah, yeah, more or less. He, he he could just read that poem out; it would sound cool. Yeah, with his voice Absolutely. too, right? I mean, it's you know, wouldn't even need the music. Yeah. Um, but the the one thing when, when I lived in Europe, you know, I lived in Central Europe. What was the other album you listened to? Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to come to that later. But <laughs> the the other the other music I would listen to is Les Colocs. Uh, uh, Andre Fortin, you know, uh, the great French-Canadian uh, musician from the 1990s that uh, I'm going to come back to later on in the podcast, actually, because okay. that was the other thing that there were two. Um, anyway, when I lived in Central Europe, um, you know, if you live, if you, the farther east in Europe you, you go, the more mysterious and, and sort of evocative of the past maybe you might be. So when I was in Slovakia, I spent a lot of time half drunk and at night in cold train stations. And when I hear him talking about meeting at the station, yeah. I remember thinking of that line. There's something about being in a cold station somewhere in Slovakia or Hungary or something. And you think, is that burned into his muscle memory as, a, as an Ashkenazi Jew? That, that There's also a sense of, um, in Leonard Cohen's music, a very Jewish sense of insecure, like a kind of a nervousness uh, I to it. I thought about the trains yeah. as anything... Uh, yeah. Well, I was uh, that it hit That's me when when I was in those stations, you know, when it's cold and dark in November in you know Brno or someplace, you know, and there's a you know waiting for a train and there's people standing around. It's you know, and I would think of that Leonard Cohen. Let's meet between the you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know. I what took I mean? the stations to the, totally as a kind of a metaphor for the place you are in your life, and uh, the place either a place that you're leaving or going to, because he talks about meeting in between two trains, two trains at and, the station, and deciding to take another right. train. Like, right. Uh, let's take the the one that's in between the two trains that we were going to take. That have you, you ever the been? One you were going to take and the one I was going to take. Have you ever been in a train station <laughs> in, in Europe? Not in Europe. I've okay, never been Europe. because in Europe, the train stations are these places very often in Berlin and in many places where there's like tons of trains. So you're kind of like, you could walk in there and then let's meet between these trains and then just go and then take a train somewhere else because they're all going to different places. Right. And they're all lined up. So you could just walk from one to the other. Oh, so yeah. it's very much like a, a European, European image, I think, in, okay. that, in that respect. But yeah. I, I don't know that he did that intentionally. He wasn't for, he wasn't European that's the great in his thing origin, about this, right? That, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the great things about uh, somebody like Cohen is that there's not really one answer to any of that that's stuff. Right. And he wouldn't yeah. tell you even it's, if he could. He probably didn't even know. He may not it know. Was, you know. It's just part of his... <laughs> Con, you know his consciousness is 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 context, but I think I mean that's the beauty of uh, poetry is the is the all the ambiguity you know often. Totally, yeah. My my, my brother is a, is a really big fan of this uh, guy called Ian McGilchrist. McGilchrist, who's written this book about right brain and left brain. Oh yeah, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's a very interesting book. I've read the master is an emissary. And my brother, I was, I sent him this David Bowie song, uh, It Ain't Easy, yeah. and, and he doesn't like David Bowie, but he said, oh, yeah, because I was like, these lyrics are so interesting. He's like, yeah, they're all right brain poetry stuff. Like, he said, he said, if you ask poets and writers of songs, they don't know what the hell, it's coming out of their the other part of their brain that they can't even articulate oh, yeah, those yeah. lyrics. Like, he pointed that out about that, about that Bowie piece. song. 
So I think the same probably applies for a lot of Leonard Cohen stuff. He just comes from somewhere in his being, which is probably more, you know, because the left brain is about how to articulate. What we're doing right now is very left brain. Analytical. It's analytical and logical and rational. The right brain is very much deeper muscle memory and things that are, are reactive in the moment and things like that. And, and they, language that comes out of it is very mysterious. That we well, can. you can you can also manufacture that too. Of course, you can manufacture the ambiguities. And he's, I think uh, his stuff seems very, very considered labored, labored. Mm. Do you think it could be manufactured? He oh, could be well, I, I mean, uh, yeah. I think he's got a wide, uh, I'm just guessing here, but I think he has a very wide context to draw from, a lot of knowledge and ideas, and mm -hmm. he probably read like crazy. He's, I mean, he was very he's, smart. It's masterful, yeah. it's masterful but yeah. it seems a very um, uh, deliberate. It doesn't sound mm. like stream of consciousness. It sounds very, very deliberate yeah. to me. So I mean, the images have a dreamy quality, and they just carry you, and and it's they're very uh, ambiguous, sort of nebulous. But I think it's 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 uh, very very constructed, very so it's very deliberate. of course nobody would ever know the answer to this question, even if Cohen were still alive. But it's quite possible that he would have been able to answer that question. No, right? there must be notebooks. There must be yeah. his notebook somewhere, and you would see some of this stuff turning up. Maybe you know. Interesting uh, question. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if there's like books of his lyrics with the stuff, the marginalia and, the, and all the stuff that got crossed this out. and Biographers of Leonard Cohen listening who are climbing through archives, digging yeah. through things can, yeah. can look into that. I have That's a feeling a great, it's yeah. extremely uh, uh, labored. He'd yeah. probably write some stuff and then put it aside for sometimes years maybe and then pick it up and finish it off. Yeah. I think he, would, I think he would wait. I, I could see him waiting a year for the right. Writing. For the just for the writing, it's like for the right line. It's like come I'm missing a line right there, and yeah. put it on the shelf, and and coming back to it a year yeah. or two later and putting that line. I can totally see him doing that. That doesn't necessarily mean that he knows what any of it means. Though, no, in his conscious mind, right? I mean, because no. it it, yeah. it, it, would, yeah. it could be because if it's, especially if it's coming from from the right brain, yeah. it's going to take time for it to sort of germinate yeah. and yeah. sort of you know yeah. yeah. That's a very very deep question about Leonard Cohen. It's, it's clear that. Whatever genius Leonard Cohen had is very hard to understand exactly what he was doing because yeah. he's not. I mean, you know, he can't sing. To, I mean, he, he sing. I love his voice. I yeah. think it's fantastic. Yeah. But you know, the guy couldn't sing opera. He's one of these great vocalists who has a terrible, not a terrible voice, but you know, it's like Bob Dylan or somebody. They had Money no, Prince Billy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are these vocalists yeah. that I just find so amazing, and you just and in his it's case, express all expression. You know. Uh, he, has a, he has a yeah. weird kind of, he has a weird kind of expression his stuff uh, yeah he sounds like a narrator I guess when he's doing his stuff a lot of it it doesn't uh, he has a distance there's a distance mm -hmm. to his voice he sounds yeah. like a narrator almost uh, like he's kind of absurd it's not an emotional voice I don't no find not, it at, all. A, a, not an at emotional all. voice it's very detached but it's, he's very interesting yeah I, I don't listen to him very much but but uh, okay, I mean, it's uh, I can see why people just listen to him for their whole life and and still find it um, engaging and revealing. And there's something they they can get something new from it. Yeah, you know, fifty years after listening. Totally. To it. Well, <coughs> I can totally, I get that. I, I also think I mean Leonard Cohen was a sort of many different things. I mean, he was also very appealing to women as well just his person did you see him on night music no he liked to play i I'm, it seemed like he really liked that image it's a great performance he did on night music yeah. you know that show no it was no. Uh, in yeah. the 90s it was uh hal wilner was the producer of that thing 
And it had uh, David Sanborn was the uh, MC, Master of Ceremonies. First it was Jules Holland and David Sanborn. And it was five different artists a night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shot in New York City. And uh, uh, Leonard Cohen had a great uh, appearance on that show. He did a uh, couple of songs, Who by Fire with Sonny Rollins playing saxophone. Wow. It was unbelievably good. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. That was so good. And uh, that, That's uh, the strangest mixture of musicians. Oh, that, oh. It must be fantastic. We'll though, watch it after. Yeah, after okay, yeah. It's wow. unbelievable. Sonny Rollins and Leonard Cohen, just those two. But there's, a, I think it was at the end of that tune, he's yeah. got his two female backup singers. Dressed like chanteuse, you know, yeah, like yeah. with the the cocktail dress kind of thing, and at the end, you know, he's got and his fedora, you know. Yeah, yeah. His usual and at the end suit. of the song, yeah, at suit. the end of the song, they come up and they both take his arm and they walk him up the stairs <laughs> like they're going up to the hotel room. It's, it's just so that, it's a so threesome good. or whatever, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It's so. <laughs> But the the reality so was he really was and he was a, a sexual icon. He yeah. was a ladies' yeah. man in real life, and he also was a sexual icon of 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 a sort of a very unique type in many respects. I right? Think. Yeah. Uh, because you know he was this sort of you know he was not some garish kind of like you think of like Mick Jagger or James Brown. No, he wasn't, they attract he wasn't women. He wasn't extravagant. He wasn't extravagant yeah, at all. Nice kind of yeah. Nice very kind calm. Of. Yeah, and another interesting thing about him, I listened to an interview with Cla him. Kind of classy, you know. Classy, yeah, yeah. sort of old European stuff. Yeah, but I, I heard an interview yeah. with him once with Terry Gross. I don't know if you ever listened to Fresh Air; it's a it's an NPR show. But okay. one of the things that struck me about that interview was it was hilarious. Like Leonard Cohen, if you're, he was a really funny guy. Yeah. He actually, which is is totally not present in his music. There's no jokes or anything, you know. Right. <laughs> and, he, and he was, yeah. and that's another thing that women love. Women love to laugh, right? So that's you can sort of imagine him having this whole package of, you know, kind of this kind of this dour, but then also you know this ability to make people laugh at right. the same time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this inspired you. We're going to move on for you to send to me Joni Mitchell, mm -hmm. um, a great can a Canadian artist. Uh, this is the second. Canadian so far. And she was um, together with Leonard Cohen for a while. Is that right? Yeah, as far as okay. I know, if oh, I remember correctly. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't I know that. I believe so. Yeah, too. Not that it matters. You, well, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. That's I'm talking about him as a ladies man. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then you know, she was a man's lady. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so the great Canadian singer songwriter um, uh, Joni Mitchell, Furry sings the blues. Um, I I don't know if you want to say anything. I I just this song has I think the first it, well it's not the first time in this podcast but it has a very very almost a um, it's a story. Oh yeah, this is really a story that yeah. we're listening to, yeah. right? That you can imagine like for every line that comes out, very different from the Cohen, which is the these things that are sort of partly connected and not more nebulous, yeah, nebulous, it's and it's not clear how things are connected. This, exactly. These images are crystal clear, right. and it and has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she can really, although there's uh, plenty of uh, wonderful um, uh, uh, turns of phrase and double entendre and uh, the the poetry of it. Uh, uh, mm. One of the lines uh, I, I really like, uh, well, one of the stanzas, I guess, pawn shops glitter like gold tooth caps. Yeah, because tooth. In the, he, so he has like dentures. A, uh, Furry has, it was dentures well, around. No, this is like a, a no. 
a, a well-dressed sort of criminal who preys on I, the image in my mind is this is the kind of person who preys on somebody maybe okay. a pimp type right. or a criminal right. type uh who likes to have their status right where you can see it on the tip. and it's yeah. it's when they smile but it's not a good smile <laughs> yeah and but also to, to continue it's pawn shops pawn shops right glitter like gold tooth caps in the gray decay they chew the last few dollars off old beale street's carcass carrion and mercy that is such yeah, unbelievably wow. good writing. Very right deep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of uh, a very deep storyline. Uh, anything about the music that you just? Oh yeah. To, yeah. Well, Joni uh, set people up. Yeah. Joni, you I noticed on one of your interviews you were talking about uh, open tunings or alternate tunings. Mm -hmm. Joni had alternate tunings for practically every tune. Really? So she, yeah. all of her tunes have a peculiar wow. tuning and uh that's interesting yeah that so, must that must make it hard for her to perform live she, she to just she, she could tune quick yeah yeah okay. live in between tunes she she would just talk to the audience for 15 and 20 seconds and she could tune time. fast she had unbelievably good ears i think her 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 pitch is uh must be very good this is the this is the the yeah. first tune with a singer whose voice is like spot on in the show this evening. right yeah actually a real singer spot on. Yeah, exactly. i mean she can yeah. she, she hits <laughs> yeah. and and uh yeah um <laughs> also her uh uh you have cohen who sp speaks and uh so the the, con the, the contours of his lines are like uh are uh the lines of speech you know the contours the the words it's more and, like and rap. Contours are cohen's or, almost or, more or like spoken. a rapper it's yeah spoken. spoken word yeah the thing is that joni can writes she writes melodies but the melodies have the contours of speech like uh if a question is being asked in the tune it's never that the pitch oh, is never going I down see. and so it's always yeah. like the pitch of the of the of the melody is always contoured to nat to the to natural human speech. speech to human yeah, speech to the, to the, wow which I, so, and so she was a, she was right. unbelievably good at that that that's, was i think wow. that's one of the things that that She's one of the best uh, at that, I think. I appreciate you mentioning that now because that's that's something I'm going to listen for. Yeah. On, on that. That's a very interesting yeah. comment to actually because those things are not accidental, right? No, they're this, not, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're her not music is extremely yeah. refined, and right. uh, I think the guitar work on this is unbelievably good. She's playing both guitars on this. Uh, elsewhere on the record, she has Larry Carlton, jazz guitar player, playing on this. But on this okay. tune, she's in both channels playing the the two guitars wow. and her. Her chords are just so beautiful. The way that she plays with the dissonance, it's very, it's deceptive. The music sounds kind of sweet sometimes, but the harmonies are very, uh, often very uh, spiky. But uh, mm -hmm. she's, uh, what did uh, Charles Mingus called her? One nervy broad. <laughs> she's, her, her stuff I find really has uh, grit to it, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's not the first thing you think of when you think of Joni Mitchell as a, like a badass, but I think she's. A, I she's think a, a lot badass. of people saw her that way. Good. My my mother my mother was a huge fan of Joni Mitchell, and I think I, I I haven't listened to as much of the, her music as you have or my mom did, uh, but my I sort of remember my mom kind of admiring her for being this powerful woman, yeah. kind of like this yeah. feminist kind of icon kind of thing, which yeah. was interesting to me. I didn't really understand it exactly, but that. <laughs> That takes grit yeah, to be yeah. right, it's, and it, uh, also, uh, I mean, the, the the vulnerability in her music is is interesting too. The uh, there's a famous anecdote about when uh, 
I think Chris, Chris Christopherson first heard all her songs for Blue, the record Blue, her mm -hmm. break, breakthrough record. And he said, uh, don't give it all away. Like, <laughs> you're just revealing <laughs> way too much. It's This is not good. Yeah. I did not think it was wise to reveal as so much, much as vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the but, inner soul of a person that's, it's almost like one of these actors, you know, that get up there and they give a performance where it's just, it's, they're opening up method, their own. Method whole, acting, I guess. Yeah. Like but they're, they're sort of opening up their own soul for the audience to sort of the, you know, the cinema goers. Acting is one of those things I don't understand. Right. I hear actors talking, talking about it and it sounds so unbelievably, uh, uh, difficult, like risky and uh, like uh, demanding, like exhausting. A a acting mm -hmm. sounds exhausting, especially theater actors who have to do it every night, do it uh, day after day. Can I've heard, you imagine? I yeah. listen to interviews with some actors, and I never that. appreciated how yeah. unbelievably. There's also there's be. also if you're trying to do one of these method things, there's a pretty good chance you're going to look like an idiot. If you know what I mean, like if you yeah, don't I do suppose. it right, you're going to look like you're going to be overly crying or overly right. Like it's, you know, because it, 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 the, the fine line between getting a perfect vulnerable th scene and, no looking, doubt. And, and, and looking like and, someone and who's going just, to pieces. Yeah, going to pieces and <laughs> hamming it up in this ridiculous way. You know? OK, so let's see how Joni does it.